From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Wallace Wagner stays with us as we continue to discuss UFOs and the Bible. His new book, Crossing the Crevice, examines UFOs in the Bible, the 6,000-year-old Earth Theory, Giants, the Flood, Angels in Prayer, Bible Histories, Manipulation Throughout History, Disclosure, the Secret Elite Government, and uh, Wallace's own UFO sighting, which we discussed in Hour 1. Wallace received his B.S. degree from West Virginia University in 1981. Subsequently, he did graduate work at Marshall University and the University of Charleston. He gained a unique understanding of the Bible from 40 years of study, mostly self-taught. He has an interest in UFO-type craft in the Bible, prophecy, the Great Pyramid of Giza, disclosure, legitimate crop circles, and as I uh, mentioned, uh, in September 2016, he had his own UFO sighting of the white tic-tac variety. All right, so let's talk about uh, UFO disclosure. And uh, you had sent me a link to a um, an FBI document, which is quite interesting, and we're going to spend a little bit of time walking through this. First of all, uh, when did this, this FBI document, which I believe came from the San Francisco office detailing UFOs and extraterrestrials, when did this document come to light? When was it written and when was it... Uh, I guess released. Well, it originated back in 1947, and apparently it, it's come to light fairly recently. I believe it was around 2010 or so, but has been buried in in the vault and uh, was released by Freedom of Information Act. A lot of it's, of course, redacted, like you see so many times, but. On a couple of pages, there's some very, very interesting information, and it's doubly interesting knowing that it's now, you know, 70 years old. <laughs> so I find it quite fascinating. We're talking about different dimensions, and we're talking about beings who are large. Uh, if you focus in on a couple pages there, specifically 21 and 22 out of the 69 pages. And for our listeners, you can go to the FBI website at vault, that's spelled V-A-U-L-T dot F-B-I dot gov slash UFO, and you're looking for the document that has the 69 pages. And you read that and you realize that you know, this is stuff that's being talked about in our upper echelon parts of the government back then. And we read that the disc, yes, disc, carry crews. Some of them are under remote control. Their mission is peaceful. And the visitors are thinking about settling on this planet. And these visitors are human-like, but much larger in size and Hmm. goes on to say that uh, they come from their own world their disc have some type of a energy ray which is deadly 
some type of energy. They don't come as from another planet, per se, but an etheric planet, which is, I guess, you might consider to be another dimension. And they can materialize and enter our frequency pretty much at will. And then they can re-enter theirs back to, you know, at their will. And in doing so, they disappear from our view. So is that cloaking? Sounds like it to me. And, and another interesting thing, that they mentioned that they are not from this astral plane. It corresponds to some Far Eastern religions like the Lycus or Talus which are, you know, refers to different levels, like we talked about earlier, or perhaps dimensions based upon different frequencies or vibrations. So, so it's interesting the date... In 1947. Right, I was just going to say, 1947. That is sort of ground zero for the modern-day UFO phenomenon. We had the Kenneth Arnold sightings Got it. Uh, at, at Mount Rainier in, uh, in Washington, followed by uh, Roswell. There was the Aztec UFO incident there was a lot happening in 1947 people just think of roswell in july of 47 but there were multiple multiple sightings in and around that time do you think there's any significance to the year 1947 why did it i mean i know there have been other sightings predating 47 we're taking it right back to the bible and so forth but why 1947 what is the significance well for me it has to do with atomic warfare that's what resonates with me, setting off the atomic bombs. And uh, apparently, from my studies, when we do that, we negatively impact other entities that are out there. And how that happens, I am not real, sh- real sure, but uh, it's either the, the strength of the splitting of the atoms and whatnot that causes that, or it's actually perhaps a tear in space-time. But they have certainly made themselves known, and a lot of that did happen around 1947, which happens to be you know, right near the end of World War II. Right, right. Well, again, if they are etheric entities, if they are interdimensional and not extraterrestrial, because you think about it, if you're living on a planet that's light years from Earth. I can't imagine that a nuclear device going off on Earth would be of any consequence to someone who's living light years away. It would be, you know, like a a match being lit and being seen from 30,000 miles away. But if they are interdimensional, in other words, they're right in front of our nose, we just can't detect them because of a different vibratory rate, then all of a sudden it makes more sense. Yes, it does. And uh, I believe believe you just hit the nail on the head. You'll have many scholars and, well, even former presidents, by the way, that would say they're among us now. So maybe we just can't see them. They operate at a different frequency. And if that's the case, then what you say is totally, you know, totally true. They are from another dimension. And that dimension could be right here upon us, close by. We just can't see it. July 1947, that's very close to, uh, well, that is, that's Roswell, right? But it doesn't sound like this FBI agent was referring to Roswell because he talks about these... Large 
human or large. Yes, these human entities people. exactly Roswell large at the small ones. Exactly. Do you have any idea which UFO crash site he may have been referring to then? I actually don't. There were so many sightings. Uh, this is this is just one of them and uh, really what caught my attention was was the fact that we were talking about dimensions and this just fit right in with it. The idea of certain of these crew members being under remote control is fascinating because I've often heard the greys being described as not really biological but more artificial intelligence. Does that make sense? I've heard that as, as well. In other words, almost a drone that's perhaps controlled remotely. Right, exactly. That's very interesting. It goes on to say, yes, there have been crashed craft and bodies recovered. We are not alone in the universe. They have been coming here for a long time. Oh, this, um, this is not from the document. This is Apollo 14 astronaut uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, of course. Mm-hmm. Look, so, look at what Neil Armstrong said. Their ships were huge and menacing-looking, caught off camera, of course. Right. This is the, the chatter between uh, Armstrong and, I guess, Mission Control in, in Houston when he's talking about, on the surface of the moon, these, seeing these craft. They have their own private channel we're, we're not privileged to. Right. Yeah. So what do you suppose is preventing disclosure? Is it the fact that they, they Majestic 12 or whoever is in charge of UFO secrecy, is so afraid that this would be so disruptive to world religion and so forth that they feel they must keep it a secret? Or is it because they have technology back-engineered from aliens they don't want to share with the rest of us? What is the purpose of the UFO secrecy? I'm not sure that all the religions would take you know, a negative stance to it or be surprised by it, but for the most part, evangelical Christians would be being that we're supposedly the most powerful country on the earth and most everything's from oil to a lot of other countries use our dollar as currency, it's all about keeping the status quo and not causing panic. And if you look at our track history, and H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds come to mind back in 1938, look what happened. That radio program was repeated in Chile several years later and in Ecuador uh, a couple years later. And in Ecuador, there were actually six people killed. They actually tore down the radio station. Is that that right? I wasn't aware of that. So we don't do that anymore. And then you have the Brookings report from 1960. basically says we cannot handle the truth that it would be disruptive to society. So I think that's kind of what the mindset is for our Majestic 12, as you say, which I believe still exist. We were talking about nuclear devices, and I've had Robert Salas on talking about UFOs being seen over nuclear missile sites, particularly in, in the 1960s. 1967, uh, Malmstrom Air Force Base, mm-hmm. Minot Air um, uh, Missile Site in uh, North Dakota, where it was reported that these UFOs seem to take these missiles offline. In other words, turn them off. 
there were some cases reported in the Soviet Union, this came out after the collapse of the wall and the Soviet Empire, that UFOs had engaged or turned missiles on. So I'm just wondering, you know, what they're playing at. I, I can understand them wanting to turn missiles off, but why would they be turning missiles on? It, it was almost as if they were trying to instigate something in these cases. Well, I'm not sure about the instigate, but I think they're letting us know that they have powers and that we're being watched. And regardless, they may not allow us to kill ourselves. There's, there's other videos that show this white craft circling around a missile trying to disarm it and shooting out rays. I, I think you've probably seen that. And, and the, these crafts or these beings have much more developed brains than what we have. And when I say developed, I mean in terms of telepathy and things of that nature. So they don't have to talk to each other, and they don't have to talk to us. They can use their minds to put thoughts, their thoughts into our brain. And they have the uh, telekinesis abilities. So they, they can actually turn the switches on and off without being there. It's things like that that you find interesting and perhaps a little bit scary. However, honestly believe, and this is a personal thought, that we have those capabilities. We're just still in grade school, and we're not really being taught how to use them. So maybe that's in our future. Something that's always confused me, though, and that is where were the craft in 1945 to prevent the dropping of the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Well, don't take this the wrong way, but probably in the same place that all the thousands of people that were killed in the Old Testament. How many times do you read that an angel, you know, killed people or uh, a plague happened and killed people or Moses was told to go kill another group of people, the Amorites or, or whatever. That's a very good question. My personal thought is that it's for the greater good. I guess that's a Spock term. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And there must be some type of a code, maybe, that they can only interfere so much in our dimension or in our plane. And you know, we have choices to make here as part of growing up, and they just maybe guide us the best they can to make the right choices. We've got a couple of minutes here before a break, Wallace. I wanted to get into the alien abduction phenomenon with you. What do you think is happening there? Are these the more sinister races of ETs or interdimensionals that are involved in this, or what is the purpose of the alien abduction? I think it's twofold. I think that some are malevolent and some are benevolent. And perhaps the good ones are possibly using us, our, our DNA, to create hybrids, maybe for another world. You know, if you look at what's called the rapture, we are taken out of here. Or we're taught that Christ-believing saved people are taken out of here at the end of time. And where are we taken to? We're taken to another world with a new heaven, a world where there's no ocean. So maybe 
they are working on that. And when I say they, it's what we determine to be God is working on that now with, with Jesus preparing a home for us. So when that happens, whenever that may be, uh, that's what's in store for us. But people report, you know, being being probed and tortured, and in many cases they're scarred irreparably for life by these encounters. That hardly seems like the actions of a of a spiritually evolved entity. Well, as I say, some are good and some are bad. There's been a lot of people under hypnosis that would tell you that out there in space there is this supreme being who is ultimately good, but there's also a very, very negative entity that literally everyone is afraid of. And that that has come out in a lot of interviews under hypnosis. And you think about, you know, what what creates the war in heaven? It's good versus bad. It's sons of God versus sons of the evil one. And it's it's played out through history, and it's it's still playing out now. Look what happened at Nuremberg with all the fighting in the sky. And you can trace that back, way back before Christ. Same type things happening. And it, it's happening now. What, what, what if they're wanting to see if uh, they are compatible with us? And because they want to move us to another world, and that other world may not be as conducive to human life as we know it. So maybe we'll need a modification or two. I mean, I I think about all these things. Maybe there's an entity out there who's come to the end of their DNA and and they need some fresh DNA, and they're trying to sustain their species. That's a possibility as well. We, we, We would probably view that as something evil. All right, Wallace, we'll take another time out. We'll come back. We'll open up the uh, phone lines, questions and comments. Also, I will field questions from the YouTube live chat. Wallace Wagner, Crossing the Crevice, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Wallace Wagner stays with us. Let's go to the phones, and we've got Paul checking in from Oshawa. Hello, Paul. Welcome. Good evening, Richard. Thanks for accepting the call, and uh, hope you're keeping well. And hi, Wallace. I have a big question for you. Sure, Paul. Go ahead. I was studying the uh, Lady of Fatima going back to France, 1858, St. Bernadette. And I fast-forward and looked at the uh, 1917 of Lady of Fatima. And I then bumped into an Egyptian guy in uh, December last year, he had told me he had witnessed the Mother Mary in Egypt, and I wasn't aware of a case that apparently she uh, had appeared from 1968 to 1970 to hundreds, if not millions of people. So to fast forward, I then watched a week before February 25th, Our Lady of Fatima on Netflix, and I saw in the movie the emphasis that the mother had given the children was on the rosary as a prayer, as the power of prayer, hope, and healing. And just what happened later on February 25th, uh, I went out for a smoke and I had this long strand object about a thousand feet above my head, pulled out my camera and took some pictures. And I 
took a picture of a rosary with the beads and the cross at the bottom. Now, I've had uh, quite a series of UFO sightings throughout my life, but this one really kicked the cake about in regards to the Mother Mary. And the pictures I'd seen from uh, Egypt shows uh, white doves at night, if they are doves. And the Mother itself, I'm just curious on your take, is this a presence of an angelic realm, very powerful and high, or is this the masquerading of aliens to quench or to secure the people in holiness? Well, Good question, well, Paul. First Thanks of all, for the call. I'll say that I'm very envious of your sightings. I would have liked to have seen what you saw. As far as the Mother Mary, I would probably have to go along with angelic realm and knowing that angels are all around us all the time and they can pop in and pop out, meaning we can see them and then we can't see them, that they know that we hold Mother Mary in very high esteem and so for her to appear would have some type of a religious, spiritual meaning for us. So they allow her or she has permission to appear to us. That's the way I would kind of view that. All right, Paul, thanks for the question. Uh, let's go to the YouTube live chat. Stardust Freedom Journey asks... Wallace, do you believe giants will play a role in end-time events? I do not. What will play a role and is playing a role now would be crop circles. We're told that end times there will be signs in the heavens and on the earth. And we've had these signs on the earth since the late 70s and early 80s when they really took off. And... We wanted a quick answer, and we got a quick answer. They were man-made, and now they even talk about it is considered, you know, heresy or non-mainstream or fringe science, when in fact many scientists and people in the know realize that most of these crop circles are not man-made. I mean, there's been some in England that are over 700 feet in diameter, and it just takes a few seconds to make a crop circle, by the way. And they are made by an orb, perhaps a colored orb, like we've already talked about this evening, swooping down, making a crop circle. And there's been thousands of them uh, in, in over 50 countries. And, and you know, it's, it's not even on the news anymore. And it's just, it, it's amazing. And these signs are right here in front of us. It's pretty easy to, to determine a legitimate crop formation or crop circle and a one that's been oh, created sure. by people strapping boards on their shoes and stomping around. And, and because the real crop circles have this delicate woven pattern and the actual, you know, the grains, the stems are not crushed. They're woven together like this amazing tapestry. But what do you think these signs on the ground what do they say? How are we supposed to interpret them? Well, both you and I could retire real fast <laughs> with a lot of money if we knew what they said. I don't know what they say. I, I know that there's a lot of mathematical, you know, and geometry and, and calculus and everything else involved, fractals, with them. I wish I could shed light on that. 
it's just one of those unknown things that's a sign that we're probably going to know later, but not now, as to what they are. Yes, we've proven we can make them, and what you say is correct. We break the stems and the stalks and, and destroy the flower head. And, you know, in Australia, for example, in, in canola, it's like celery, fresh celery. You go out and step on it, and it snaps and breaks, and you, you destroy the head completely. It just turns into mush. But a real crop circle will bend those, those stalks up to 90 degrees without breaking them and leave the head completely intact, let alone all, all the interesting phenomena that happened inside those crop circles, magnetic anomalies, batteries going dead, lost time, even with, you, you know, you have these fancy wrist watches today that are ultra-high precision, they can still lose time very easily inside a real crop circle. There's still a lot of people studying them, by the way. But uh, as far as the messages they're saying, aside from our response to the Acebo uh, message, it's, it's really hard to say. You mentioned missing time. Show Me the Truth 74 from the YouTube live chat asks, uh, Mr. Wagner, since you saw the Tic Tac craft, have you experienced any missing time? I have not. I know people that have, but me personally, it's been a one-time experience and there's been no missing time. I saw an interview you did with Michael Hall, who's been with me on the program. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually was kind of, after you, you related your Tic Tac UFO incident in 2016, he really probed and he pulled something out of you. I, I don't even think that you had made the connection. And that is some strange dreams that you had as a child that were connected, p- perhaps, perhaps not, but may have been connected to that to that sighting. We just have a couple minutes here before the break. Maybe you could, do you remember, do you remember that, well, that I, exchange? Well, I do remember that conversation and... and uh... I'll just just say that I had a very interesting dream when I was either 13 or 14. Three men in in black suits. Now, you're going to think instantly men in black, and I cannot confirm one way or the other if that's who they were. But I was basically told in that dream that I would experience a lot of highs and a lot of lows in this lifetime. And that's what was destined for me. And when I woke up from that dream, I was just had the best feeling uh, I've ever had in my life. It was, it was uh, like you were on cloud nine or something like that. You, you, I felt a peace. Um, uh, it just felt great, uh, like you could tackle the world. And uh, I've never forgotten that. So. I don't know whether that's a connection to this craft that I saw or not, but it's certainly something to consider. Would you consider undergoing a regression, hypno-regression, to see if maybe there's something else that occurred immediately following that sighting, that UFO sighting in 2016? I'm, that I'm you, laughing that you, when you you're not remember. I'm, I'm thinking mm-hmm. right off the bat, my head so hard that I don't think that regression would work. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I would consider that, sure. But where I live here locally, there's there's no one inclined, you know, to really do that. But I, I would have an open mind to do it, sure. Why not? All right. Why not, indeed. We'll take another time out, come back, continue to discuss uh, Crossing the Crevice with author Wallace Wagner, Jr., right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. Let's go right back to the uh, YouTube live chat. Uh, you Betcha asks, Wallace, do you think we'll find proof of extraterrestrial life with all the probes to other planets or with SETI? I think we've already found proof. I think it's been <laughs> airbrushed out by JPL. So I think that's the right way to answer that question. I mean, we're on Mars now. You would think that, that we would get some live pictures from the little helicopter thing. And, and it just seems like we've just been played with this whole time with, with, with Mars. And that's a case that, you know, if you believe that there's life out there and it's extraterrestrial life, then that would apply to Mars because I believe that there's definitely been life on Mars, and perhaps it was a catastrophic event, perhaps some type of a large bomb or ray destroyed everything, but uh, I I think it's going to come out sooner or later that, yes, it's out there. And who knows? Unless... Maybe maybe the uh, Chinese craft that's circling there now, which is very interesting, why are they still circling, but... uh, the TON one, I think it's supposed to perhaps land in May. Who, know, who knows what the, you know, what what they're going to produce? Unless, of course, we are talking about interdimensionals and not extraterrestrials. Correct. Let's talk some more about disclosure. We had I mentioned that the December 2017 New York Times uh, article that. Um, had many people believing that disclosure was imminent. This is when the Pentagon official, Luis Elizondo, blew the whistle on this secret UFO study project called ATIP, Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Project. And um, since then, of course, we had the release of the uh, U.S. Navy's uh, Tic Tac UFO incident. We've had, um, I believe there was another video from a, a carrier... Uh, fighter group off the coast of Florida. Uh, we've recently had the um, declassification of something referred to as the UFO, uh, sorry, the U.S. Navy's UFO patents, where they seem to admit they're in possession of um, back engineer technology, although that's up for debate. Where do you think this is heading? I mean, how close are we to disclosure? Or are we just being sort of strung along here? Well, a year ago, I would have said, you know, it might be 20 years out. But the way things are, are shaping here, I believe the penultim, uh, the, the penultim has actually stopped and may be starting to swing in the other direction. Um, let, let, let's look at two airline incidents. You go back to the 80s with the uh, Japan Airline flight over Alaska, and, you know, they went public, and look what happened. The captain is finally found himself behind a desk. And here recently we had the 
uh, American Airlines flight going from Cincinnati down to Phoenix, and uh, he reports he sees, quote, an oblong object flying over his airplane, and American lets them talk about it, and in fact says, well, contact the UFO, or contact the FBI, I mean, about about the UFO, so uh, they're still flying, and and you know, not a whole lot of mention is made about it. So, with with, with that, it's apparently okay now to have this discussion, and I think that is a big step in the right direction. And we've also been, you know, desensitized with with, with Star Trek and Star Wars and and the such. Uh, so, I think. In some way, the the government, whether directly or indirectly, is is working on us to prepare us for some bigger drips. And those bigger drips may be that yes, we can confirm that there's been life on Mars. That may be a starting point, and that would you know that's not putting an entity in front of us right now or admitting a whole lot more than that, but that would be a great starting point. And we've, you know, we've already mentioned uh, from President Clinton about the meteorite, and you have the theory of transpermia with, with, uh, you know, life being spread about, just like dust in the air. And I, th- I think that you might get the disclosure maybe within five years now. I think it's really happening fast, whether it's purposeful, purpose, purposeful or accidental uh it the cat's out of the bag now so it's interesting and to see where this is going to go and what avenue it's going to take and how much information we're going to get how fast so i I would say probably within five six seven years now we will have some type of a confirmation that there's been life on another planet as a, you know, as a starting point. How will that disclosure happen? Are we talking about a presidential announcement on the White House lawn, or how will it happen, do you suppose? Oh, boy, that, that's good. I, um, it's going to be messy no matter how it happens. Uh, it probably would be a pre-recorded message uh, from the White House, if I had to guess, uh, with several other people involved and just make some general comments that uh, you know we have found life and uh, it's out there so that question's been answered and uh, we're, we're putting more resources towards you know the UFO enigma and, and that type thing uh, just use it as a stepping stone without freaking people out that, that would be the goal if you could do that so we would keep our capitalist system still intact. I mean, that's what you've got to look at. You want to wake up and have money in your 401k the day after disclosure, right? <laughs> All right. Well, that that's I mean, a that's great really question. What it boils what, down to? Well, in large measure, you're right. Let's uh, let's take another time out, and when we come back, let's talk about 
what life would look like the day after disclosure. Wallace Wagner, my guest, Wallace Wagner Jr., the author of Crossing the Crevice, crossingthecrevice.com, the website. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Wallace Wagner Jr. and the book is Crossing the Crevice, crossingthecrevice.com, the website. So uh, before we get into life after disclosure, here we are 75 years almost removed from Roswell and and the veil of or the lid of secrecy that descended immediately following Roswell. So what has changed in the uh, in the in the scheme of things that now we are at a point where they are ready to lift this lid of secrecy? Is there been this battle going on backstage between those that want to disclose and those that want to remain or to keep the lid in place? I believe that there has, uh, Richard. Somebody needs to make the decision whether or not we're ready, and I, I think that's what they're banding about. Um, and it's all it's all going to come down to what holds our society together, and that's probably, for the most part, religion, and that takes its form in many different ways, whether you're Hindu or Buddhist or, or Jewish or Christian or Muslim, whatever. It, it, it's the fabric that holds society together, and you don't want to destroy that uh, instantly or destroy it at all, for that matter. But uh, that, that's why it's going to be very dicey uh, when, when it, it, it takes place. And uh, it, it needs to be done kind of like what we just said in, in bits and pieces. You, you can't unload everything on everybody at once. Uh, you're going to have to take it in steps. But I see those steps increasing in frequency and really increasing here in the last uh, five years. So uh, we're going to be in interesting times. Here's one of the problems as I see it. That is the the elites, the the people that with, with more money than God, the people that are by and large responsible for keeping this lid on the UFO ET issue. Uh, they have technology perhaps back-engineered from UFO crash sites. Uh, some have suggested that they have now the capability, as Ben Rich said from Skunk Works, they have the ability to take E.T. home. They have sure. um, technology. That. Right. So the anti-gravitics and so forth, which means that the entire space program from Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, uh, the shuttle program has all been window dressing. It's been a lie because we don't need to use rocket fuel uh, to get people into space if we have anti-gravitics, which means people have died uh, for no reason. Astronauts have died for no reason. They've died for a reason. They've died to keep us together and to keep our society intact. Well, I was going to say, though, but... That seems to take precedence, even even if a president's involved, Richard, and I I won't go down that road, but... Even if the former director of the CIA is involved, you have to keep us together as a society at all cost. 
That's well, their mantra. But couldn't you argue, though, that they have blood on their hands, and then how then do they disclose that we've had anti-gravitics for who knows how long, 50, 60 years, but they kept that from us. Well, that's another and, problem they're going to have to tackle. How do you get the egg off the face of the government? This, this, right. You know, charade's been going on so long, it's perpetrated itself to, to, you know, you can't release everything all at once. We're just going to have to do it in steps. And I think... In some in some fashion, we've been doing that uh, with you know the, the spores that and the little creatures the um, that they have proven they can live without oxygen. And here we have the Navy actually admitting they don't know what those crafts are and. Now we uh, the patents that that's been released. Without doubt, we've got back engineered crafts, and that's why I said I did not know who they was when I, I I saw my craft. I don't know whether it was ours or theirs, but if you believe Ben Rich, who used to run the Lockheed Skunk Works, uh, anything you can think of, we've already done, and we've already been out there. There's there's been you know, a correction in the equation. We we had an error originally in the equation, and we've got that fixed now. So we can go to the stars, and we've already been to the stars. So from that standpoint, yes, it's a facade. And I think the astronauts knew that. And uh, look at Neil Armstrong. He was a changed man after he got back. And, you know, it, it, they're not allowed to talk about this stuff. And And... I've I've read many articles that we've already been out there, and we might even have a, a base on the on the backside of the moon. Why why don't we have pictures from the backside of the moon? We're so concerned with Mars, which is further away, and our own moon. You can't even show me the picture of of a, a structure that may be miles high back there. And what are we hiding? Why why don't we have pictures of the backside of the moon? And even if Excellent we had point. Them, I bet you that they would be doctored. Richard Dolan, who is, I think, a, you know, a giant in this field and a, a terrific historian, has written about UFOs and the national security state. Has made the point that those individuals or groups that have back-engineered alien technology at their disposal, and they won't give it to us. They almost constitute a breakaway civilization. In, in fact, maybe they're already off-planet. That's uh, a very, deep, very deep good space possibility. So then the question is, why would they be willing to give that up for us? I'm not sure that they would. Uh, it's a, they're probably having, as we mentioned, an internal battle between the Majestic 12. There are probably those that want to give us information, and there's probably those that feel we can't handle it. And... I don't know where that will go necessarily, but, uh, you know, we just created the Space Force. I think that's a farce. We've already been out to space. I believe that we have, uh, you know, contacts, just just like your former Minister of Defense says. We've been in contact with people, and we have people on our side. When I say people, I mean entities, either interdimensional or extraterrestrial, and we're already out there. So... From that standpoint, 
everything that's pretty much happening is not real. It's a facade. And we've, we've been living in this facade since who knows how long. Uh, probably at least maybe the late 50s, maybe early 60s. So how long is it going to go on? So the day after disclosure, when we're told that there's life on other planets or there has been life on other planets, what else changes? Do you think they start to release some of this technology, religion? How does it change? I've had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Barry Downing, and he, 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 he makes a very astute statement that uh, you know, they're going to have to have a meta-reformation. Uh, you know, it's going to change you know, in a heartbeat from divinity schools, from, from uh, seminaries, and from behind the pulpit. And it's going to change in an instant. And there again, that's a reason why I wrote Crossing the Crevice, uh, to make that crossing, if you will, easier. What else changes besides religion? Well, I think I mean, a lot of the way we view ourselves and the way we view going forward will change. Uh, what needs to take place, and this is a personal comment, you just can't say we have free energy. You have to say how we're going to go from point A to point B. And that's something we've been very lax on with our energy policy now. Uh, you don't want people to wake up tomorrow and realize they don't have a job if, if they work in the oil fields or if they mine coal or if they pump gas out of the ground. You've got to have a plan, and that plan needs to be mentioned by the president or whomever makes the announcement. And so nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and, and lose their jobs because of this. It'll be a slow, gradual transformation from our fossil fuels and our currently known physics to this new uh, world of physics and this free energy. Uh, it may take 20 or 30 years, but it needs to be planned out and communicated to the people in a non-threatening way. And that would allow companies to start up and work in the free marketplace with this new type of energy and still at the same time allow people to mine coal and steel mills to make steel and cars still to be made. Uh, it will be a slow, gradual transformation. In other words, you believe that they have a free energy device in their possession now, but it's, oh, sure. it's far too, sure. it's far too disruptive. To William Colby, the former director of the CIA, he was, he was going to start talking about disclosure, and he had a free energy device he was going to expose to the public. What happened to him? He was found face down, face down, in, face the down in the Potomac River. You got That's it. it. With his house unlocked and the coffee maker on and the computer on. Very, uh, let's just say, questionable what happened. Well, we will have to delve into that uh, story. That's a fascinating one uh, on another occasion. Wallace, it's been a real pleasure. I hope we can do this again. Well, Richard, the pleasure has been mine. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Wallace Wagner, Jr., Crossing the Crevice, and the website, crossingthecrevice.com. All right. Thank you, Wallace. My thanks to Carlos Kajina, technical production, Ryan White, the live stream producer, back next week with a brand-new program. 
God willing. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.